Warning, Star Trek from the holodeck contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Walk it alone! Fire! Holodeck 3 program is reinstated. Open sesame! Commander Klingon vessel. We are energizing transport of him. Now. Welcome, everyone. This is your captain, Michael Flores. Hello. And on the bridge with me, sitting at the science console today, is Lieutenant David. Ah, I've been I've been upgraded. Thank you, Captain. Yes, you have been upgraded. Or promoted might be the better choice of words. Is it because you know, just, just for that, you're an instant again. Is it, I, I was about to say, is it yeah. because of our special bond, you know, like okay, you're an ransom instant. and Steven. Just stop while you're ahead because you're going to become a cadet again. Oh. <laughs> <Again. laughs> All right, everyone. Welcome to Star Trek from the Holodeck. This is the Lower Decks edition. If you're new to our shows, you can find the podcast version of this broadcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Yower prefer... Yower? Yower. <laughs> Our preferred feeds are iTunes and Spotify. Just search from the holodeck. Be sure to leave us a review and give us a thumbs up. If you are watching us on our YouTube page, give us a thumbs up. Now, David, I still have my navel out. I don't know about you, but I, I, <laughs> I definitely am going to be. That's going to be a thing in this in this studio now. You're going you're gonna to basically keep out. that. Yes. We have to uh, we have to respect our cultural um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. cultural relativism. There you go. Yeah. Cultural relativism. Yeah. <laughs> Navel's out. And also, where can I get one of those mining stones? Those, oh my god. Those dude. M- those mine mines. I thought the holodeck was actually my dream. No, the mining stones are my dream. Now. Listen, if it means, you know, having my fantasies come to life in front of me and at the end of that I become stone, so be it. <laughs> so be it. <laughs> the question becomes, Mike, what's your what would be your fantasy? Is it to Paul or is it seven of nine? Or is it both? But this has been something that's been on my mind for quite some time, David. As I'm in the <laughs> middle of my Star Trek Enterprise rewatch. I started season one, I would say two weeks ago. And to me, David, just to get really creepy right off the bat here, <laughs> there is no one that can compare to to Paul. <laughs> there isn't. There are some very uncomfortable moments in Enterprise where they were definitely trying to get risque, and it felt really forced. You know, when they're all lotioning and lathering each yes. other up every fucking episode. <laughs> I'm like, come on. <laughs> what are you doing? I mean, listen, if that was the case, Dave, you know, like in order to combat potential viruses from going to other planets. <laughs> yeah. I would I want to get viruses all the time. Yeah, exactly. So um you want me to go on this away mission, right, <clears throat> Captain? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Um can DePaul come with me as well? Because I definitely want I want to lather her up afterwards. And so dude, please. I love the fact in Enterprise they they tried to play it as if, well, you know, we have to explain why they came up with the tricorder and the injection thing. <laughs> and I'm like, no, you just want to be a pervert and basically have How dare you, David? Don't have judge moments, people. Have moments with DePaul getting lathered up with lotion. <laughs> the best thing ever. 
<laughs> when are they going to make fun of that in Lower Decks? Oh, dude, you know what's coming. There's got to be a moment where they make fun of that because there are some. I like Enterprise. But there are some moments that are very cringe <laughs> yes. when it comes to the, the I don't know what they're I don't want to say objectifying because I know that's the whole thing now. Ooh, you're objectifying people. But listen, Tucker was running around in little blue tidies. Tidies. Okay. Yeah. His penis and balls were hanging out. Archer <laughs> was hanging out with everybody was naked in that. Everyone show. was naked. So it wasn't just about objectifying DePaul. They were trying their damnedest to just show skin, and it didn't matter who it was. Yeah, and they were trying to make it, like, totally normal, right? Yeah. And th th that's the thing that <laughs> blew my mind about, like, Enterprise when I think it was the second time I watched it. I'm like, going, this is probably the most naked I've seen. Listen, of, like, Star Picard Trek. was in an episode of TNG on when he went to Ryza. And he had his little, it made uh, let's just sense, call them though. panties. He had his little panties on, super sense. tight ball crushers. But it did make sense because he was on Risa. He was on Risa. That's why. I mean, come on, enough. I mean, there's an entire episode where Tucker was just running around in his underwear. The funny part is I think about it now. I'm like going, why couldn't we have the lotion thing with, you know, Star Trek, you know, the, the new show with Chapel and all that hotness. David, <laughs> Listen, it's going to happen in Lower Decks, at least. It, it will. If it doesn't happen in Lower Decks, then Mike McMahon isn't trying. He isn't trying <laughs> He's hard enough. Trying hard enough. <laughs> All right, so let's get into this. We're talking Lower Decks, Season 3, Episode 3, titled Mining the Mines Mines. The synapses on a remote science outpost. Stone orbs are bringing fantasies to life. Pendy starts her first day as a senior science officer trainee. One thing that I like about one of the many things that I like about Lower Decks, despite the shenanigans, Dave, and the silliness and the crude humor at times, there is always an emphasis on two key aspects. The human experience, which we're going to talk about that. Yeah. And also the cosmological. Even though this is a show that relies on parody a lot and we see things that we've seen before, they don't just simply rely on that. Yeah. They use it for jokes. They use it for, you know, a little bit of nostalgia, a little wink, wink, but they also build out the world in their own way. For example, in this episode, we got those siren-esque type of aliens yes. you know using these psychic minds that read your minds and then bring your fantasies to life and even though there's a bit of a silly twist to it don't tell me you couldn't see something like this in a classic episode of say tng or the original series oh e most definitely in the original series most definitely because it like it feels authentic. It Despite feels the authentic. silliness, it does feel authentic, right? Oh, absolutely. Because, like, you got also this, the whole thing about the, 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 the stones being the threat makes me remember, like, I don't know if you remember in the original series, uh, I think it's called the Huerta. It's the, it, it was this yes. episode yeah. where it, the alien was just this slab of rock that apparently killed people. And, <laughs> and they couldn't explain why is it killing people? But they just had to destroy it. Yeah. And I was like going this, that's the element, the kind of the nuance of star Trek that I think has been truly missing since, since the, the Kurtzman started his era was like, 
There is an essence of campiness with Star Trek that was from the original series that kind of like, it wasn't just the alien of the month, like a humanoid of the month. In the original series, they always said that, oh, it could be like a, a computer, vi a, a giant computer, or it was a benevolent being that doesn't have a shape. Or the threat was like rocks, simple as rocks. Or that black tar character that black killed tar Tasha character, Yar. Yeah. And like, when you look at this episode, the elements of this episode match so well and pay homage to classic Star Trek. Mm -hmm. Because it isn't a, just a, oh, here comes a atypical humanoid alien threat. You know, like, unfortunately... Discovery had that issue where it was like it didn't want to take that gamble of actually showing us different types of aliens. Well, no, they did. And they did. The, the Klingons were definitely different types they of aliens. They were different. <laughs> but what I mean is kind of like, you know. <laughs> I'm making a joke there poking fun of it. <laughs> yes. Because that chip, I love Discovery, but their biggest error was, was that the first Klingon. season with how the Klingons look. The whole aesthetic was just fucking weird. But it was, yeah, it was definitely not... Not to snuff, unfortunately. And, and listen, I understand they, they they get a pass because you were dealing not with the main Klingons. You were essentially dealing with almost like a cult. Yes. It was like a religious cult or So, so I could sect. ignore the way they spoke and I guess I could just pretend their <laughs> the biology was also okay. But, but. even even then, you had a humanoid alien species. Mm -hmm. You didn't have... I mean, the closest one we got was probably Saru's race. Strange New Worlds is the series that's and Strange really taking New Worlds up has a notch. Taken it up a notch. And then discovering their later seasons. I mean, look mm -hmm. at um, last season with uh, Unknown Species, Tennessee. Yeah. But if so. you think about it, Lord Dex has done this since day one. Well, that that's what I'm saying. That's to me is out of, there's two things, as I said, that really keeps me coming back to Lower Dex. I like comedy. I'm not a guy that's void of humor and I'm not overly serious. Obviously listen to this show, <laughs> but I also get tired. I grow tired of silliness and I grow tired of the comedy aspects. Like for example, Rick and Morty, where Mike McMahon came from. I love Rick and Morty. It's a clever, witty show. And dare I say, intelligent, highly intelligent at times, especially the earlier seasons. But I also need to take breaks. I'm like, yeah. okay, I, enough with the silliness and the over-the-topness. I, I need a break here. With Lower Decks, they give us that comedy, but they're also building out the world of Star Trek. Mm -hmm. Even with the packlets, when they rely on things we've seen before, they still expanded the pack-led species in a way that the show TNG never did for yes. obvious reasons. Oh, yeah. So when we get aspects like this, dealing with this new silicate indigenous creatures called the Scrumble, and they turn people into st statues, essentially, it's an interesting way of staying true to Star Trek, having some fun, and also building out the, cos the cosmology of Star Trek. And that's something that I said, if you remember, Dave, at the very beginning of this show, before season one aired, I said... I'm looking forward to this, but I want them to also make a show that's not strictly parody and satire, but also yeah. a show that can stand on its own as a Star Trek series. And I feel like for the most part, it can stand on its own. Yeah. I will say 
that I challenge Mike McMahon and his writers to pull back a bit from the parody and see if they can make a funny Star Trek series that doesn't solely rely on inside jokes. Because most of the humor that they write into the show is based on things that we know. Yeah. We think it's funny because we know the Star Trek tropes. We, even- we think it's funny because we've seen these aspects in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. I would like to find out if a non-Star Trek fan thinks this show is half as funny as we do. Exactly. Because like, even like down to the format of the show, I mean, the very beginning is an homage to the classic way a original series episode would open up. You have this short little scene of the monster of the week or the alien of the week back in the original series attack some rando and then you suddenly, that's how you start your show. Yeah. Automatically, they, they're paying homage and slight parody to the original series, even mm-hmm. through their format. So do you agree with me? Would you like to see them pull back a bit and not rely so much on inside Star Trek jokes? As funny as it sounds, you brought this up even in the last episode that you, we were, you were worried about this. And I, I was kind of like 50-50 on it. This episode brought that out more. I'm more on your side about this because I'm like going, there's just, don't get me wrong. I'm enjoying the season as it is right now. Yeah. For sure. I mean, Mike McMahon's doing an excellent job telling us a story. He's giving us character development, especially in this episode. I mean, he continues the development of uh, Tindy. He developed, he even found ways of giving development to Mariner, Boimler and Rutherford, just showing their quote unquote inner fears and inner, uh, inner desires. It added into their character. However, just like what you alluded to, I'm like going, I just think this episode, he could, I wish he could have done without so many inside jokes. You know what I mean? Because like there, when you take a look at this episode, how many, how many people that I say just mass audience are going to look at this episode and say, Oh, I know what's going on without watching anything else. Yeah. Granted, this is a show that's designed for Star Trek fans. Like that's yeah. the point. I, I don't feel like they're trying to market to people outside of the Star Trek realms, but just because I look at things from a critical view many times, even when I am a fan, I feel like this show is not doing itself just because it can be its own thing. It can also stand on its own feet. I don't feel like they need to write inside jokes and parody every single episode just so that they can make a funny episode. I feel like Mike McMahon and his writers have a great sense of humor and they can create a story that relies on nothing, just the fabrics of Star Trek in itself without mm-hmm. necessarily relying on things we've seen before to make a joke. That's what I'd like to see this show do moving forward is not be so tied to past Star Trek. Well, think about this. I mean, and we... maybe, I'm, maybe I'm arguing for a totally different show and there may be one of the writers listening and say, well, Michael, that's not the fucking point of the show. No, no, no. I think you're onto something because like, Ever since second season, second season, I think, was, like, excellent when it came down to the writing, writing because it was a beautiful mixture of Mike McMahon's type of humor and then a blending of Star Trek inside jokes here and there, but it wasn't heavy. wasn't heavily laden. 
the, fir- the, the first couple episodes of this season, it is heavily laden that he's, he's doing like these inside jokes. Hey, you got to actually know about this to actually get the joke what we're doing here. And it's, it's cute. I like it because I'm a Star Trek fan. But when I look at the season so far, it's not, I can't look at it and tell someone outside of Star Trek, like, go watch this show. You're going to be laughing your balls off. Second season, I could do that from day one. I could look at my, my, my wife and say, hey, you could watch second season of Lower Decks. I'm not a big Star Trek fan. It doesn't matter. The writing and the comedy are excellent in second season. You don't need to know the Star Trek jokes. If you want to know, then you can look it up, but you don't need to have it. I feel like there's a shelf life to this. Yeah. Because even though I enjoy the show, I find myself growing a little tired this season. And we're only three episodes in. Mm -hmm. Not because it's bad, not because I don't like it, but there's only so many... Times I can say, oh, look, you know that that Leonardo DiCaprio meme where you're pointing. <laughs> yes, it becomes tiresome. It becomes tiresome. And like, I, how many more times is it going to be? Is it's when does it become no longer a novelty, and it becomes an annoyance? Yeah. And if this show is going to air for the next, like a lot of cartoons do, they end up airing for 10, 15 years. Can this show really be that? It can't. It can't keep regurgitating past iterations of star trek through the act of parody eventually it's going to have to do what south park did what the simpsons did and reinvent itself to being essentially a totally different show mm-hmm. south park did that about 10 years in uh, simpsons did that about 10 15 years in and they continue to find interesting ways to give their show new life and i know we're only three seasons in but i'm finding myself a little not tired of it, but just like, okay, like, great. Another Star Trek joke. It's funny. And I point at it and I laugh, but there are times where I'm just like, give me something new. Like, I don't need to constantly laugh at some moment in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. So that's my only point. I don't want to go on too long about this because I don't want to come off as negative, but I was thinking about it and I figured, Hey, let me share my thought during the show. Yeah. Okay, so one of the funnier moments, David, and the reason why I did laugh at this and why I will continue to bestow true Star Trek fan accolades upon Mike McMahon, because you can tell a Star Trek fan who a real Star Trek fan is based on the jokes they make, because they're the same jokes we made growing up. In fact, they're jokes we made literally two or three weeks ago. Yes. And that is Jordy's odd relationship with a hologram. <laughs> now, we were talking at the beginning of the show, and that was the point. I was trying to set the table. We didn't get into it. We got into other things. But mm-hmm. there are moments that are cringy, not just an enterprise. There are moments that make me feel outright uncomfortable in the next generation. Easily. And a lot of the episodes were during the earlier run of the show of between seasons, I'd say, one and four. And they did this weird thing with Jordy and they just made him almost like a creep. <laughs> like he was creepy. Always, yes. always pining after women. He was socially awkward. I feel like that's what they were trying to say. Is that they, were was, trying, they were is trying that, to connect him to like, I'm sorry to say it, the demographic of Star Trek fans. Oh, come on, David. Hey, I am one of that demographic. 
I am. I am one of that demographic. And I have to say, when I look back at them, I'm going, oh, were they making fun of me? <laughs> I, I get what they were trying to do. They were trying yeah. to say he was socially awkward. Awkward. But, but they never actually said it. I'm not saying they should say it outright, but it, I don't feel like it ever came across that that's what they were trying to do. I understand yes. because I overanalyze things and I get that, that that's what they were trying to do. But the casual viewer probably didn't quite understand that. And when oh, you no. go back and rewatch it, Dave, it's so uncomfortable to watch Jordy deal with women, almost all women. All women. It yeah. stopped after season five. They quit trying to sell us on romantic stories of Jordy. But every romantic story with Jordy LaForge was borderline creepy. And this was one of them where yes. he created this hologram that he then fell in love with, which is fine. Listen, that happens. Janeway did it. She was actually making modifications to her hologram, man. Yeah. But she wasn't seriously dating it. This, this guy was like fell in love with her. Yeah. And then what makes it worse. And well, first off, her name is Dr. Uh, Leah Brahms, Brahms. And we saw her pop up as one of, fantasies connected to um, <laughs> Rutherford. Rutherford, which I thought was brilliant. But then she was in another episode, this character. She was in booby trap. The actress was Susan Gibney. And that's the, the episode where Jordy creates this hologram of Dr. Leah Brahms, who is a warp field uh, scientist, yeah. right? And he needed her assistance. So he reconstructed her and put her in the holodeck uh, and essentially took everything from records, her mind, and created this hologram so that he can have essentially the real person help him solve the problem. Yes. He falls in love with her. She falls in love with him. The episode ends. A year later, during season four, <laughs> in an episode titled Galaxy's Child. Yes. The real Dr. Dr. Leah Brahms shows up and Jordy being, uh, I guess, an idiot <laughs> acts as if he has a relationship with her. Yes. Because he's an idiot. <laughs> and Dr. Leah Brahms doesn't understand. You know, why is he acting so like common with me? Like he like so casual, like he knows me. He finds out that he essentially had a relationship with a hologram version of version her. Of her. And her face to this day, I wish I can screenshot it because I will if I can find horrified. it. She's horrified. She's horrified. So even the writers knew what they were doing here yes. was creepy because her face was horrified. Now, by the end of the episode, they fixed that a bit and she ended up finding common ground with Jordy and also shared a bit of affection towards him. Yes. But the bad or sad thing about it is that she was married. Yes. So nothing can come of it. Yeah. It was a creepy storyline. It was a, not just creepy, Mike. It was uncomfortable. It was cringe. It was cringe and uncomfortable. It is the most, for me, most cringeworthy episode of TNG. There's only one other episode of TNG that's that cringy and it maybe even more cringy. And it was when Dr. Crusher and Deanna Troy decided to do like stretches in the middle of, I think it was the hallway of the Enterprise. No, no, that's okay. And they're wearing like 80s workout garb and their ass cheeks are like split apart in front of the camera. No, 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 that's okay. That's okay. I'm fine with that. <laughs> that was creepy. It, it felt very uncomfortable. If that were, awkward. No, but not as soul-crushing cringe as that Jordy episode. Because like, they were trying to make Jordy out to be like this, hey, this innocent guy that basically just 
didn't understand social cues. And he didn't understand women. And he didn't understand women. Because in that very same episode, I believe it was the booby trap episode, which booby trap. I mean, come on. <laughs> come but on. like, dude, they were, what, what are they, 12 years exactly. old over there in that writing room? <laughs> <laughs> I remember, Mike, this is like the 90s, late, early 90s. It's okay. Oh, guys, I got an idea for an episode. I want to have Jordy have a relationship with a hologram woman, and we're going to call it Booby trap. Booby trap. Get it? Well, even Get like it? the what? Even like with Worf. I mean, the the episodes with Worf and his quote unquote wife. Those when they were okay. <laughs> when, did, dude, did you not feel uncomfortable seeing Klingons beat the shit out of each other? But in actuality, maybe that was hot. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's hot. When she was like biting him, and he's like, that "Yes, was, David, that was not cringing. <laughs> that was on point." <laughs> that was on who wrote that episode i'm gonna write them a fan letter right now you guys are geniuses <laughs> but that's the thing about that i love the fact that in in this case in this episode they use the exact copy yeah of dr brahm it's the same actress too it's the same actress Susan and everything Gibney was brought back and they use it with rutherford who rutherford is kind of like the innocent, you know, hey, we can't hold this against this character because he's just a good dude. Not quite socially and um, socially. He's a socially inept a bit. Yes. Yeah. He's socially inept. He is the better version of Jordy. <laughs> <laughs> Although, dude, will you be cracking up if they actually make this comment when Picard season three comes out? Jordy is like, hey, how's it going? You, you, you got someone? With well, you now? I believe in one of the comic books or the book, they've established that he actually gets married to her. So she gets a divorce at some point and they <laughs> oh actually God, get married. Right. So if they make that candid, Dave, I don't know if that would make me upset <laughs> or I would slow clap. <laughs> Just slow clap, Jordy. Go. All right. Good job, dude. Creepiness wins. <laughs> Creepiness wins the day. <laughs> One point for the weirdos. <laughs> but listen, I'm on that weirdo chart. I'm not socially awkward, but I'm definitely a weirdo. Listen oh. to this show. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're both in that ship. Yeah. You know? <laughs> okay. So another strength of this series, as I had mentioned, when we were talking about the parody aspects and the cosmo cosmology of Star Trek, it's the way they build out these characters and they never forget what's what should always be at the core of a Star Trek episode and a Star Trek series and all the shenanigans that happens. It's all just icing. Yeah. When you really look down deep specifically with this episode, what it's really about is the human experience, which is what Star Trek should be about reputation mm -hmm. and how it affects us and how it shapes us and the nature of how we perceive ourselves versus how people perceive us. Well, dude, identity theft. In the very end, it's a the 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 conflict is about identity theft. It's about perception, which perception. I would say go hand, which would I say, which I would say goes well with the idea of identity theft. Yeah. So it's a smart way to craft your narrative using a theme such as perception and experience and identity. These are things that govern some of the best episodes and seasons of Star Trek and that no matter how much comedy they give us, and how much parody, if they always keep that at the center, I feel like this show, despite all the funniness and me saying that, Hey, listen, the funniness is going to run out eventually. 
the novelty side, I should say, the yeah. novelty aspect of the humor will run out, as I was saying, as long as they keep this at the center, I feel like none of that will matter at the end of the day. Certainly, it won't be as high quality, perhaps, but it will always feel true to Star Trek if they always keep these types of aspects at the center. And I think that's the problem that the Lower Decks has right now is because season two was obvious uh, to me their peak that was their peak now the the question became after season two what were they going to do how are they going to top themselves from such a stellar season that they had and they have to go into a new season and basically give us the same type of quality but they have to raise the bar again and that's the thing i was worried about well, we're, in regards we're to the three season. episodes in, Dave, and we're not getting that. What's the myth arc? What's like, the myth arc? The first two seasons, we had that emotional myth arc by Mariner and her mother. Mm -hmm. And then in the second season, it was about Mariner and her mother finally finding common ground and continuing to work through their differences. This season, you had that handoff to Ransom where Captain Freeman basically punishes her daughter, her daughter for breaking protocol and the rules by pairing her up with Ransom. And since then, moving into episode four now, they haven't really gone back to those personal stories. Yeah. And to me, that is what has kept the cohesiveness of the series together. It's yep. Mariner's story. And I'm mm -hmm. not quite sure what her story is this season. And that's the thing is like, there's a difference between and, Dave, and, and the, listen, we're only three episodes in. I just, I understand that. Yeah. So. But, but also there's a difference between character growth and then character narrative. And I think that basically we're getting more character growth. Yes. And that's great. Yep. But our character narrative hasn't really taken off yet. And prior seasons, you already had a, a taking off with, the main character narrative Mariners. You had a general idea of had a what the story idea. was going to be about. And we don't know. We don't know what it is. So hopefully they do bring that back before the end of the season, or actually I'd say even before the halfway point, we, we don't quite know what the actual season is about necessarily. Mm -hmm. And hoping we do get that. There were some interesting moments, as you had said, David, they did find ways to, flesh out some of our characters, give yeah. us a little bit more aspects to each of them. Uh, Mariners was a big one. Uh, her fantasy involved a female Andorian. Yes. Now there has been allusions to her fluidity when it comes to her sexuality. So this shouldn't come as a surprise. We know, I want to say in the first episode of the show, I think the very first episode, uh, she was in the workout center no, no, she created, was it a holodeck thing where she made all, all the men yeah, all naked the men as naked. she watched them? And, and we also know that there's a lot of sexual tension between her and Ransom. And Ransom. She's ha she has admitted it as much that he makes her hot and bothered and it upsets her. Well, remember, I mean, even, even in her fantasies, Ransom was part of the fantasies yes. because Andorian said, hey, do you want to come and join me? And we'll... Uh, Apparently they're gonna peg ransom. So, <laughs> hey, why is it gonna, why is it gonna be pegging, David? Why can't it be him? You know, enjoying some um, face writing and no, penis they want, writing. They want the they want they want the alpha status, Mike. Oh, fuck, fuck that shit. <laughs> <laughs> ransom has a very 
Listen, Ransom would not. That Ransom's not down. <laughs> Ransom that, okay? I don't know, man. He has that special bond Listen, with Stevens. He has a very strong core. Okay. <laughs> exactly. And Stevens <laughs> knows about it. So God only knows what's about. That's so great. So yes, Mariner is obviously bi, I guess, or maybe I'm pan. Say bi. Pan. No, pan. Pansexual. Because you're dealing with Andorian, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pansexuality. Yeah, you could say that. Yeah, because bisexuality is you like men, men and, and women, women, right? Women who are human. We are really getting to some areas that are silly, but <laughs> I would say it's pansexual. Regardless, we learned a little bit about Mariner. And then, of course, Tendi going through her growing pains a bit with her wanting to be trained by a a senior science officer that she wants, uh, as opposed to the person that was assigned to her. So there was a lot of things going on. Other than that, it was a relatively simplistic episode with not a lot of allusions to something bigger. I do like what they did with the two uh, California class starships and kind of removing the stigma from the Cerritos Cerritos and the lower decks crew and showing them that people are proud of them and people are looking at them as, you know, inspirations. And I like that one line where, the instant from the other ship said that you guys are the, what is it? The enterprise. They're the, the enterprise version of the California class starships. I'm like, okay, that's pretty good. And that, I think that that was one of the more important moments for kind of like the growth of the crew to kind of show them that they're more than just these, you know, uh, to, to, to take the title lower decks. They're actually getting, a reputation they're get, actually getting a, a decent enough rep where people aren't just going to look at them as the you know scum of the federation okay so the line was cerritos is like the enterprise of the support ships. support ships <laughs> yes and that's i think that that was an important moment for the crew of the cerritos because you got to take that step with this crew and they can't be basically the butt of the the the, we got to give them some respect. Yeah, you, they can't be the the butt of the joke all the time. You know what I mean? Because I it, it, gets it. It, it gets, gets old. It gets old. Yeah, it gets old. So this was a nice turn. All right, Dave. Well, this does bring us to the end of our discussion. We do need to quickly rate this episode. Why don't you give me your brief final thoughts and uh, your RMD score? Brief final thoughts about this episode. Now, before I give my score, I want to preface this and say, this is not a bad episode. Okay. It, it's, it doesn't get a high grade like the past couple episodes because they took off, to me, a, on a good start. But now we have a little dip where it's kind of like, it's a good episode, but it was kind of like a very light episode. Yeah. And with that said, my score for it overall is an 81. It's not a terrible episode. It's just, it's very light. It feels like this was a filler episode. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, I hope that basically now that we've had the filler episode, the next episode is going to be a uptick instead of another episode, another filler episode. Yeah. That's an interesting grade, Dave, because I actually give it 1% less. It's 80% for me. And my thoughts are similar to you. 
to yours. It's not a bad episode. It's a fun episode. It, fun it would episode. be disingenuous of me to get behind the mic here and pretend like this was a horrible episode. It wasn't bad. However, going back to what I said at the top of the show, I feel like they got to start doing something a little different with the show. It can't always be the exact same thing every week. And even though they build out the world, as I was saying, they're definitely taking, they're going to great lengths to build out the cosmology, to actually do something with the world of Star Trek, rather than just simply retreading on past aspects for the purposes of humor and parody. And of course we have our development of our characters, but at the same time, the show has to continue to grow and it has to not forget what made the first two seasons strong, which was the emphasis, or I should say the focus on Mariner and Boimler. And I yeah. don't quite feel like that's coming through three episodes in. I'm not saying they're neglecting them because the stories have revolved around them, but they're not as strong. Yeah. They're just not. And also I'm, will openly admit I'm growing tired of the of the similar beats of each episode. We have to change it up. They've mm -hmm. got to do something a little different here. Otherwise, at one at some point I'm gonna shrug and say, well, if you've seen one episode of Lower Decks, you've seen them all. Exactly. All right. Well this brings us to the end of our discussion. I want to thank everyone for listening and bearing with our Odd discussions uh, pertaining to Jordy and uh, Commander Tucker and DePaul. It's it's just a strange bond that me and you have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. That's it. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Live long and prosper. I couldn't help but notice your pain. My pain. It runs deep. Share it with me. End simulation.